Today I'm going to start, I'm actually going backwards a little bit. If you haven't figured this out, what I'm trying to do, I'm going to end up having a whole message, meaning series, on the Holy Spirit, and we'll put it all together when it's finished. However, the last time I spoke on this was last November. Yeah, most of you weren't even here. I remember. It, it was COVID and people stayed home for some reason. Well, there's a lot more back here today. What? Oh, kids, kids. Where's your, where's your uh, megaphone? You didn't bring it in yet? Oh, you were told not to do that anymore. Since when do you listen? Right, Mom? Right? Amen, she's saying. Kids, if, uh, if you're ready, we'll release you. I'm sorry I, I missed that. All right. Now we good? Anybody else? Anything you want? Hey, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> All right. So next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. So what a, what a more fitting time to be discussing the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Roger did a great job of inter introducing us to him this morning, even with what he said. Do you know God just wants a relationship with you? And I think too many of us, we kind of avoid that. We should be intimate with him. We should know him so well that when we go to do something, we don't have to sit there and pray for 12 hours. But the answer comes because we're already in communion with him. That's the kind of relationship he wants us to have. And listen, in these last days, we're not going to have a lot of time to be reflecting and going into our prayer closets. We better know what we're supposed to do next because it's going to come fast and I believe there is going to be a latter-day revival. We're going to see it before he takes us home. But in the meantime, we have to be ready. And I believe that this message is going to help us with that. Over the next couple weeks, I want to look at or try to answer a couple of questions. First, why did the Father send the Holy Spirit? Second, what will it look like having a relationship with the Holy Spirit? So that's what we're going to do this next couple of weeks and beyond, but we have a special guest in two weeks. So uh, my, my lovely, beautiful bride, Pastor Barb, is going to speak. And you don't want to miss it because she brings a rocking message on Memorial Weekend, and she's known for being a lot shorter than I am. <laughs> Speaking of which, this one might be a little longer. I'll, I'll try to get through it quicker, quicker. I'll try to talk fast. How's that? But this one might not be the 30-minute version today. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me? Father, thank you for all that you have blessed us with. Lord, this church... We can't do anything without you. And, and we ask, Lord, that you would just come down on this room today, on, on those at home, Lord, fill their, their living rooms, their bedrooms, wherever they're watching this live stream service. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, draw us to you today like never before. And help us to realize the kind of relationship that you want with your people. Lord, we love you and we commit this short time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. So why 
Did the Father send the Holy Spirit? What can we expect as a result? Jesus told his disciples, this was after the resurrection, this was before he went to heaven, he said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything except the W-A-I-T. You know, human beings don't like to wait. Americans don't like to wait. We want stuff now, right? We don't want to wait. We want it now. We want fast food now. We don't want to wait. I think that sets us up for failure. Because in order to receive all that God has for you, you have to learn how to wait. Does that make sense? What did they wait for? He told them to hunker down and wait for the power. The dunamis. It, that's a, it's a word used, that's where we get our word dynamite. Explosive power. That's what the Holy Spirit gives God's people. Hallelujah. So let's start with Acts 1. Uh, most of my scriptures are from the NLT. Acts 1, verse 4 and 5. Once, when he was eating with them, and by the way, this is in between the resurrection and his ascension, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. See, in John 14 through 16, he talked about the Holy Spirit coming and what his role would be. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit. Now, this is important. These men and women were already born again. Jesus spent time with them over this 40-day period before he ascended, and trust me, they believed. If you saw the Master resurrected, you would believe. All right? So there's no question in my mind that these people were born again. They had settled the issue of their unbelief. So why did he have them wait? Why did he tell them to wait? Because Jesus didn't want them to get the cart before the horse, so to speak. He didn't want the people to get ahead of God. You and I can't do anything. I'm going to back that up. We can do some things in the flesh. But will it have the same impact that it would have if the Holy Spirit were in it? No. I think a lot of churches today are moving in the flesh. And we must realize that without God, the Holy Spirit, without His influence in us and through us, I want to skip verses 6 and 7, not because they're not important, but for the sake of time. Jumping down to verse 8. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That pretty much covers the whole globe, right? And I believe that was his point. What is important for you and me to know today? Just this, simply this, that our mission is 
to be witnesses to our world. We've got people dying right next to us. We've got people dying, literally right now they're dying in India without knowing Jesus. There's a billion people in India. And very few of them know Christ. And from what I understand of Scripture, that means their eternity is not secure. That should break our hearts. I know it breaks God's. They need witnesses in India. They need witnesses in Africa, in Asia, in Elmira, in Joburg. Right? Even in Vanderbilt. I said that because Mike's sitting over there. This is not in our own strength. It's in his. Zechariah 4.6 says, anybody? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's the kind of God we serve. It's not in our own strength. If we think that, then we're, we're wrong. Jesus told his followers to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit before they began preaching to the crowds. It was that important, if it was that important, for Jesus' disciples to wait. How much more important is it for us? Do you agree? I mean, they had the direct access to Jesus. He spent that time with them one-on-one. We're kind of out here on our own, so to speak. God's still with us, but you're not standing next to him. We need the Holy Spirit more than ever before, in my opinion. When doing God's work, we don't want to get ahead of him. We must receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we are on our own, and that's not a good place to be. So to carry out the mission of Jesus, just a couple things. What's the first one? You must be born again, right? You must be born of water and of spirit, and you can find that in John 3, 3, and 5. And then, number two, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit and endued with his power. And I won't read all those, but hopefully you can see them. Here's what I want you to get today. Why does the Holy Spirit come? And if you're done taking pictures of that, I'm going to flip it. I want you to see this. Frank D. Machia said this in his book, Baptized in the Spirit of Global Pentecostal Theology. He said, the breath of God through Pentecost inhales the people of God. Do you like that? I love that word. Inhales. Can you just feel him sucking you in? He inhales the people of God into God's holy presence. Thank you, Lord. I want to tell you what. There is no better place to be than in the holy presence of God. And when you come out of that kind of atmosphere, you are going to be different. Just like Moses coming down off of that mountaintop. When the people saw him, they were afraid because he glowed like a glow bug. He had the glory of God all over him. And you know what? You can be the same today. People will recognize that you've been somewhere they haven't been. And it's because you have the glory on you. 
He went on to say, God's holy presence exhales them outward into all the world to proclaim the good news. What is our mission? To tell people about Jesus and to continue Jesus' ministry of deliverance for the sick and the oppressed. Many, many, many years ago when I first went to college, and I've gone so many times that I just like college. I'm a professional student. Not really. It just takes me that long to... No, it doesn't, but timing has been everything. So the first time I went, one of our uh, missions professors said this. He said, someone did a study. Why was the Assemblies of God so successful in evangelizing? This was the late 80s. Why were they so successful? And this was not a Pentecostal doing this study. Somebody did their PhD in this. You know what they discovered? Guess what it was? The Holy Spirit. Everywhere that they went, bearing the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, people came to know Jesus. People were born again. People were healed of their diseases. And the church grew. Imagine that. Now some of you right now are probably going, oh, I don't want to have to do that. What? Can you imagine being able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Come on. That's what we're supposed to be all about today. But guess what? We've become an impotent church. You think that's God's design? I'm going to show you it isn't over the next couple of weeks. So this is what we're supposed to be. This is who we're supposed to be. This is what we're supposed to do. And now I want to move to Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. I'll come back to this next week, but I just want to, I want to show you what happened when the Holy Spirit hit the followers of Jesus and then what the outcome was. On the day of Pentecost, say on the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. all the believers. Did you catch that part? Are there any unbelievers in, the, in this? All believers. All right, so they already know Jesus. We're meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So it's an ability. Now, I don't have time to go into how this was a one-time thing. Part of it was a one-time thing. The, the, the wind rushing in. When people get filled with the Spirit today, that doesn't happen. This was the first time it happened, and usually when God did something the first time, He made it big. All right? He wanted them to recognize, hey, there's something going on here. Take note. The fire that landed on their heads. Do we see that when people get filled with the Spirit today? No, not visibly. But there is one element of this that we do see still today, and that is they began speaking in languages they did not learn. 
Now we call it tongues. In the Greek, it's glossolalia. But it means a language that you didn't study came out of your mouth as the Holy Spirit gave you the utterance or the words to say. Pentecostal. That's what it means to be Pentecostal. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in this language that they did not learn. And this happened to, our, to the followers of Jesus, to the disciples of Jesus on the day of Pentecost. Now hear this. He continues to do this today. If we seek Him, if we, and, and here's a homework assignment, if you would. Do this before you come next week if you get a chance. Just go to Luke chapter 11, and I would start with verse 5. It's actually 11 through 13 uh, that talks about asking the Father for the Spirit. But I want you to begin at 5 because it actually says if you come to Him and you keep knocking and you keep asking, what's He going to do? He's going to give it to you. All right? So he gives us permission to be persistent, to go after him with a vengeance. That's what God wants from his people. He wants to know that you really want him, that you really want to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And I think that's pretty good news. These men and women were told to wait till they received the power from on high. Now, Watch what happens once they're baptized in the Spirit. See, this is the part where if they were in the flesh, this would not have taken place. Are you ready for this? First, the disciples were giddy. <laughs> like children at a party. Can you get that picture? They were laughing and, and they were singing. They were praising Jesus. They were speaking in tongues they didn't learn. And by the way, just for the benefit of, of you, if you haven't read this before, what we're about to go into. The people heard it and they understood it in their own language. There were at least 12 different languages being spoken that people heard and they understood it. It was a miracle. When God fills you up, it will visibly overflow from you, appearing as joy and as peace. Paul said this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and what? Joy! Joy in the Holy Spirit. And listen, if you represent God, if you represent Jesus, and you, there are opportunities where you should weep and you should sow your heart. But people need to see us filled with the joy of the Lord. Otherwise, who is going to want what we have if all they see is us out there weeping and crying and holding their head? Oh, brother, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't believe what I went through this week. It was so hard. Jesus went to the cross. And I promise you, well, he wept, <laughs> but not for that reason. He wept for us. We need to be full of God's peace and joy. And you will be if you spend time with Him. Another scripture that bears witness, I read this at prayer this morning, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, don't be drunk with wine, 
Because that will ruin your life. Amen? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Have you ever just popped off a song in the Spirit? You're driving down the road and, and God just, He just drops something in you. And you just start singing, sometimes in English, sometimes in, in that language that He's given you. Whatever, it's beautiful. And, and some of my most intimate moments with the Lord was in times like that. Where I had just shut the world off, just like turned it off for a minute, and just let Him move in my life. Amen. Don't do this while you're driving. That can be dangerous. Yeah, it's happened. The policeman pulled him over and, you been drinking? And when you tell them you're drunk in the Holy Spirit, they better be Pentecostal or you're going you're gonna to get a breathalyzer. All right? Second, when the crowd heard Jesus' disciples speaking in tongues with so much joy, what did they assume? That they were drunk, even though it was only 9 a.m. Hear this. When you represent Christ... The devil is going to do everything he can to make it look like who you represent is just the opposite of who you really are. He's going to discredit you. Now, I brought up this scripture only to show that it happened to Jesus. Matthew 12, 22 and 24, he said, A demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. That's pretty cool. How do you think that man that was healed felt? Amazing. You think he was sitting there going, oh, thank you, Jesus. He was excited, man. I'm telling you what, this dude would have been jumping. I can see. I can hear. I, I can. Ah! He was break dancing. I would do that for you if I could, but I'd, I'd break something. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? Ding, 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 light bulb. But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, who are the Pharisees? The religious people that Jesus said, you guys are a bunch of whitewashed tombs. They were dead to God because they didn't understand even though they had all the information they didn't apply it they didn't have the Holy Spirit and they denied that Jesus had the power no wonder he could cast out demons they said he gets his power from Satan the prince of demons oh I can promise you Jesus was not happy about that in fact, this is one of the places where he said, what? You can say whatever you want about the Son of Man, but don't say it about the Holy Spirit because that's the one unforgivable sin. And by that, what he was saying to them was simply this. If you see a miracle, don't credit it to the devil. 
That's blasphemy. Especially when it was blatantly God through Jesus that did this. Hallelujah. You still with me? If the religious leaders criticize Jesus, they're going to criticize you as well if you're led by and operating in the Spirit. So don't be surprised when one of the well-meaning brothers or sisters says, why, that's from the devil. They've got a hold of you. No, they don't. Jesus said, you can't have both kingdoms. It's one or the other. And if you're bearing fruit, if people are being healed, if people are coming to Christ, that's good fruit. And they ought to see that for that, what it is. Don't let them, don't let them rock your boat, is what I'm trying to say. Let's be more concerned with what God thinks than what man thinks. That's a good one. You should put that on your fridge. You should be more concerned about what God thinks than what men think. Finally, the last part of this, Peter addressed the crowd as the Holy Spirit gave him the words. Before I read what he said, I wanted to remind you of this, this passage from Jesus. Luke 12, 11, and 12, he said, And when you're brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For what? The Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Now, I, I love the, te- the Passion Translation, the TP. The TP translation. Simply be confident and allow the spirit of wisdom access to your heart, and in that very moment, he will reveal what you are to say to them. I can't tell you how many times I have tried to address someone, and I realized I didn't know what to say. But the Holy Spirit gave me the words. He, he drops things in your spirit so that you know what needs to come out. And you're going to have it confirmed. It'll, it'll be confirmed by the Spirit that what you're saying is truth. So the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. That's one of the biggest reasons that Jesus told his disciples to go and wait. It wasn't so that they'd learn patience. It was so that they would be empowered and endued with the Holy Spirit. With all that that means. And, and I'm going to get into this a lot more in the weeks to come. So you're, you're just getting a, the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, today. When I started today, I said we would begin to answer the questions, why do we need the Holy Spirit, and what will the right relationship with Him look like? The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, will fill you to overflowing. And when he does, he'll give you what to say. If you need wisdom, he'll give you wisdom. If you need peace, he'll give you peace. I can't tell you the amount of stories that came from righteous people who were being killed for their faith. And all the way to death, they kept giving him glory and they kept trying to witness to their adversaries. Trying to win them to Christ. Just like Jesus when he was on the cross and he said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. To speak like this 
to get out in front of people and just open your mouth and let the Holy Spirit fill it. What does it take? Besides the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It takes faith, right? Nothing happens without faith. You must believe that you are God's emissary, His witness. And when you commune with Him, and by that, and this can come in a multitude of ways, but one of the big ones is through prayer. Do you spend time praying? And, and that doesn't mean you do all the talking. Listen, I've done whole messages on this, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here today, but it doesn't mean you do all the talking. In fact, to the contrary, it means you should do most of the listening. And when you get plugged into the Master, when you begin to have that, that direct relationship between heaven and earth, you will hear clearly. Try it. Some of you have never done that. Some of you have never heard the voice of God speak to you directly. What, what's another way God speaks to us? The Word. The Word of God. I talked about that last week. Jesus was the, is the Logos. He's the very Word of God. He was there at the beginning. Everything God did in creation was created through Jesus. Go to Genesis chapter 1 and read it. And now we have the Holy Spirit. When you speak, you will overflow with anointed and profound words that will change the hearts of your audience. Years ago, when I was in college the first time, we had an opportunity to go to Los Angeles and we picked some really rough neighborhoods. And if, if you've ever been there, a couple of them were Watts and Hell's Gate, Southgate. If you've been there, you know that uh, most of the people there are people of color. And whether it's Latinos or uh, blacks, whatever it might be. So by my going, I might as well have had that yellow vest on, just to say. I stuck out like a sore thumb. I was not welcome. I had a short haircut. I can't get out in the sun without sunglasses. I wore my sunglasses, so what did I look like? A cop. Probably not the brightest thing to do. But I, I went into these neighborhoods with other students, and they paired us up with someone from that community, and we went out and we preached the gospel. <laughs> Man, let me tell you something. I was prayed up. I was prayed up. There was no way I was going into that environment without being ready, without having the Holy Spirit, without having the protection of His angels, because I knew I was putting myself... When those people saw me coming, at first they were really standoffish, but then when they realized why I was there, that I represented the Christ, they would soften a little bit. They would maybe give me an ear. A couple of them ran us off, told us they didn't want us in there. Accused the guy that took me in as being an Uncle Tom, a word we've heard a lot lately. But one man, and I, 
I presume he was a, a drug dealer. He was standing on the street corner, and I went up to him, and I just started talking to him, and then I really felt like the Lord wanted me to pray with him. Oh, my. He melted in my hands. And this big man, and he was wearing bib overalls. I don't know why I remember that, but this big man just started weeping on the corner of the street. There were others around us. They were, I think, prostitutes. And I'm not trying to stereotype. I'm just telling you that's where I was at, all right? And this man prayed the prayer. And then, this is the weird part, he pulled out this wad of money, and they were so tightly wrapped, there had to have been over $1,000 there. And he thrust it into my hand, and he said, here, I want you to have this. And I'm just like, uh, no, sir. I, can you imagine what that would look like? Bible student takes man's $1,000 after praying with him. I don't know what ever became of that man. I, I hope that that prayer stuck. But my whole point was, when you put yourself out there, even in hard places like that, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, and it will impact people's lives. It will, if you'll let him, if you'll let him use you. And by the way, I already said it, but I didn't take the money. Acts 2. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Notice that when Peter spoke here, he was prophesying. The Lord put the words in his mouth. He actually went back to an Old Testament passage out of the book of Joel. He opened his mouth, and the Holy Spirit filled it. He didn't have a pre-prepared sermon, right? He just let God move. And sometimes that's what we need to do. And the Lord, the Lord brought back to his remembrance what he needed to say. And listen, this is one of the reasons that we need to be Bereans. We need to study the Bible. If you'll get a scripture memorized, if you'll, even if you just get it in the back of your head, the Lord can bring that out. And that's how Peter started. He started out with Scripture. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will what? Prophesy. To prophesy is to speak for the Lord. It's almost as if you're a teacher and you're regurgitating the words that God has given you to say. 
Peter quoted Joel 2.28. And I just wanted to point out what happened after this, after he spoke. After the people were empowered, God moved miraculously. They took the time to receive from him. They took the time to wait on him. He filled them, and then this happened. First, the enemy accused them. They're drunk. Second, miracles started to happen. And by the way, there were 120 in that room. We, we see here, or just prior to this, that there were 12, but they're all there. The 120 are in the crowd ministering. There's no question in my mind. They're either interceding or ministering to the people here. So they were all busy. And I also wanted to point out that the last days that it talks about here, when did that begin? Thank you. They're at the resurrection. The moment Jesus ascended, it began. When's it going to end? When he comes back. Jesus is the marker. First to leave, first to come back. Look for that. When do you think it's going to happen? I'm not a date setter, but I do believe it could be soon. That's a good thing. Hallelujah. Let's look at the result of Peter's prophetic speech. I'm going to jump down to verse 40. When Peter continued preaching for a long time, by the way, that's a miracle. People hung out. He preached a long time and they didn't leave. Strongly urging all his listeners... Save yourselves from this crooked generation. We don't hear enough of this. Listen, I'm not a bad news bear. I like to present the good news. I love telling people what Jesus can do in their lives. But we also have to present the other side. God is a just God. Judgment is coming. There is a heaven, yes, There's also a real hell. And people need to realize that because the way they live their life, whether they say yes to Jesus or no, is going to determine their eternal place of rest. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hopefully that's your motto. But there are many out there who do not name Christ as their Savior. They need to hear the good news. Somebody needs to tell them, look, you keep on the path you're on. And I'm I'm not suggesting you stand out there and tell everybody, you're going to hell. Because I've seen people do that too and it doesn't work. But you do need to mention that there is a consequence for sin. And that's eternal separation from God if you don't get it corrected. And there's only one way to correct it. And that is Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. So, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, just a few, 
Man, can you imagine if your church grew to 3,000 people in one day? Woohoo! Man. Do you think this was a miracle? And that was just that day. It doesn't go on to say what happened the next day and the next because I, trust me, with 3,000 mini servants running around who'd just been baptized in Christ. Do you remember when you were first born again? What was it like? You couldn't shut your mouth, could you? So imagine 3,000 of these people running around. you got, you got to be Jesus. you got to see what he did for me. you got to get saved. Sorry. <clears throat> Those who believed. Put it in its simplest terms, repentance is going from unbelief to belief. Will you say that with me? Repentance is going from unbelief to belief. That's exactly what happened here. Very simple. We, we make this thing way bigger than we need to. You either believe or you don't. That's where we got to get people to believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And God sent Him to save the world. The revival that broke out in Acts 2 happened because Peter and the 120 waited for the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to see revival? You know where I'm going next. You willing to wait? Have you received? Have you been filled with His Spirit? And by the way, again, I'm going to get into this a lot more detail next Sunday. I'm just trying to whet your appetite. If you're at home, same thing. And I'm going to give you a few scriptures to write down here in just a minute that you could study out on your own. But first, I just wanted to share this. They waited for the Holy Spirit so that they could be empowered. What does that look like in modern day? And, and I had this experience uh, years ago, and I mentioned this not too long ago, about Brownsville. The Brownsville Revival. 1995, Father's Day, uh, Pastor Kirkpatrick, he never preached. <laughs> he never preached. He planned to. But he ended up laid out on the altar. The Holy Spirit rang his bell. Now, by the time I got there, which was months later, it was different. And I, I wanted to share, somebody asked Steve Hill, who was the evangelist pastor at the church. They said, Steve, at the height of Brownsville Revival, how did you know it was a revival? What happened that made he and Pastor Kilpatrick realize that what started that Father's Day morning was from the Lord? And this is what Steve said. The people embraced what the Holy Spirit was doing. Now, I'm not going to try to resurrect Brownsville. That would be wrong. What I want to see is God in us. 
moving in us, through us, reaching out to our neighbors, our families, our friends. Steve Hill went on to say that when it started that Sunday morning, it it wasn't the explosive thing that it became. That came later. Steve said the Holy Spirit began to touch people. And this is kind of cool. It was one at a time. One here, one over there, one there, one back there. And eventually the people realized, hey, God's doing something here. Something, something's not like the norm. No pun intended. They, people and leaders, realized that the Holy Spirit was moving. And this is the thing. Oops. The people of Brownsville Assembly, God recognized the work of the Holy Spirit for what it was, and they embraced it. You see, God can show up, and we can deny it. We can say, ah, you know, I'm not really comfortable with that. So what? Do you have to be comfortable? I mean, eventually, I think you will be if you step into it. But let's let God be God. He's looking for a church that will welcome Him in His full glory, who will be the holy people, the priesthood, the holy priesthood that we were called to be. So what do we need to do? Simply this. First, you must be born again. Can't have it any other way. You've got to be born again. You want the Holy Spirit? First step. Go from unbelief to belief. Call on Jesus. Ask Him to forgive your sins. And then I've got scriptures up there. Second, get water baptized. That's the confession of faith. We did that a few weeks ago. We'll do it again if people need it. So if you are one of those who say, hey, I've been born again, and I feel like the Lord's saying I need to be water baptized, you let us know, and we will prepare the tank. Third, God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Here's that homework. Luke 11, I said 5 through 13. I don't know why I had equal there, but don't worry about that part. And then Ephesians 4, 18 and 19 is the one, don't get drunk on wine, get drunk in the Spirit. And then finally, those who live in right relationship with the Holy Spirit will be filled to overflowing. How many remember that passage, John 7, 37 to 39? You say it all the time. You'll have rivers of living waters flowing out of you. That's what it looks like when you're filled with God's Spirit. And signs and wonders will follow. You still with me? Would you stand to your feet? There's a shaking coming. 
It's a shaking to knock off all of the idols in our lives. The statues like Dagon, they're going to fall flat on their face just as they did in the Old Testament. They can't compare to our God. The Holy Spirit wants preeminence in your life. He wants to be number one. And only you can give Him that place. And when you do, He says, I will honor my word and I will fill you. I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. But you must, you must prepare yourself and clean house and do what's necessary to make room for me. You are the temple of my spirit. Prepare a place for my residence and I will fill you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel like that was a word from the Lord. You can test the spirit. That wasn't in my notes. The Lord wants a relationship with you. Heavenly Father, we are your people. We're your children, Lord, called by your holy name. And it is my prayer that you will bless each one here today, Lord. Give us hearts that yearn for you, that desire more of you, less of the world. May you increase and may we decrease Lord, that the people around us, when, when they see us coming, they, they're not going to see Norm. They're not going to see Roger. They're not going to see Barb. They're going to see Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit resident in us. Lord, take this message and drive it home with each one of us. If you're here today and, and this message has ministered to you, and I'm, I'm not asking to pump myself up. I just need to know, did it resonate with you today? Did you hear something from the Lord today through this message? Would you raise your hand? All right, some of you, all right, most of you raised your hand. All right, thank you. This is too important to, to just run and, and just go on and, and, all right, what's next? This is gonna be concurring because this is what God's doing in us. So here's what I want you to do this week, homework. What did I say to read? Luke 11, 5, thank you, 5 through 13. And if, if you will just take time to pray that through, ask the Lord, Lord, what does this mean for me? And then listen for his answer. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm feeling like next Sunday I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you're here, to receive the baptism. We're going to pray for you to receive the baptism if you're here. But this is him. You can get it this week at home. If you're hungry enough for it, you've heard my own testimony. I went after him for weeks. I really, 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 really wanted to be baptized. And when did I get it? In my bedroom. I spent hours at the altar. When did I get it? In my bedroom. And I wasn't expecting it. It was just, I'd gotten home from work, working the night shift. I climbed on my waterbed. I was about ready to go to sleep. And I just said, Lord, when you're ready. And out of my mouth started flowing 
rivers of living water. And, and it sounded like gibberish at first, but it improved as time went on. I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Man, I want to tell you what, I didn't sleep for a few hours. That was awesome. That was my experience, not how it always happens. But he wants to fill you. So how many are hungry? (laughs) Take this week to love on him, spend time with him, go after him. And be praying for those who haven't yet received the baptism that they get their prayer answered. Amen. Father, we thank you again for everything you're doing here. This time is so short that we have to both to speak and what's left, Lord, to reach our neighbors and our friends with the gospel. Help us with that. Help us look for opportunities, Lord, to share the good news, but not to get ahead of you. <laughs> like the disciples, Lord, may we wait until we're filled. And Lord, today we just ask that you would keep our people safe Bless them richly, Lord, as only you can. And uh, until we meet again, Lord, may you be well pleased. May you be glorified. And by the way, if anybody here needs Jesus, you need to take that first step. I'll be right up here in front. Come on up and talk to me. Be happy to pray with you. Can I share one last testimony? I didn't ask her if I could. My daughter-in-law last week, uh, she was going to a luncheon and she wanted to get mama some flowers and on her way to Walmart she was driving down Dickerson and this guy blew a stop sign this is why it's so important that you're praying and that you're spending time with the Lord because you don't know what's going to come at you And we rely heavily on that young lady right now. She's our our children's leader, and I thank God for her. That car hit her so hard, it totaled her car, and he went on to hit two others, and it totaled them as well. Four cars in all, all totaled. She had a little scratch from what I understood of it. Her airbags didn't even go off. And I give God the glory. I give God the glory. When you hear me pray at the end of the service, I mean it. I mean, I see you being protected when I pray like that. But don't rely on my praying. You take that ball and run with it. You pray for the the others here. You pray for the pastors here. If we're all praying for each other, look out devil (laughs) he doesn't have a chance right all right now before you leave make sure and sign up for wednesday night (laughs) love you guys have a great week in jesus